Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this, your day, and thank you for your mercies to us, that you have given us life one, uh, one more day, and that we can come to uh, this place to gather together as your people, rejoice in you, and uh, worship you, and uh, even more uh, learn from you. We thank you for this day. We pray that you may be with us and you open our hearts so we may um, learn from what you have uh, for us this morning and then uh, for what you have for us through the preaching of the word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So, um, seven deadly sins and the Beatitudes. And uh, today is the first uh, sin that we are going to see, uh, pride and um, the poor in spirit, that is the beatitude that um, is kind of next to it. Uh, I was about to say something. Uh, oh, yeah. So last week, uh, Debbie come to me, came to me and she asked me like a really good question. And I'm sorry, Debbie, I'm going to put you in the spot because it was a really good question. And it helped me with uh, how to explain um, what we were talking about last week. So if we were talking about how to reconcile uh, God's, <clears throat> God's decree and sin and our freedom, right? How do we understand that? And if this is God's decree from beginning to the end, right? Beginning of history, end of history. For those who are going to be listening to this in the um, uh, Spotify thing, uh, just imagine a rule from beginning to end, right? So that's God's decree in time. Beginning, end. And this is, this is uh, you, and this is your timeline, okay? Beginning, end. And it goes under God's decree. So everything that God has decreed, uh, beginning, end, uh, in, and this is your life. So your life goes under God's decree, but in such a way that whatever you decide, decide is freely decided by you. Yet it matches perfectly what God has decreed. And there is no discrepancy there, just God already knew it, and it is encompasses it, is, is runs parallel to uh, your, your life, and you freely decide, and yet God already knew it. Uh, think about it in this way. Have you have those deja vu kind of moments? And you go like, oh, oh, I know what is going to happen. I know what is going to happen. Okay, God already knows what is going to happen from the beginning, and yet uh, things happen according to uh, your own volition, your own will. All right? Same thing with, with sin. He has decreed sin to exist, and he has decreed an end for sin. All right? Now, first, first thing that we have, pride. And there's been like a, a different set of qualifications uh, and um, different set of um, taxonomies, how to organize the seven deadly sins. Um, but we are going to go with the classical one, which has Pride uh, in the first place. Now, uh, if you have read Dante Dante Alighieri's um, Purgatory, Purgatorio, I guess, in in the Italian, um, he has pride as the first circle of purgatory, and in that one, uh, it's super fun because you have the prideful people, and the way they cleanse themselves from pride is by looking at these statues that are ex exemplifying humility which in, a, in itself is already very prideful, right? We are going to exalt humility so the pride, prideful guys can look at it and then they can cleanse themselves from their sins in purgatory. 
and they have on their backs they have this weight that is heavy on them and they are walking around it, uh, with it until they look at them and they're like oh i need to be like that and so they start kind of like uh, walking around with that mentality trying to cleanse themselves from with uh yeah from pride anyhow um i want to clarify two things though not every kind of pride is evil or sinful if that makes sense when you see your kid like uh, playing uh, soccer or football or basketball or whatever and he does a great job and you go like wow you did great i'm proud of you that's not sin that's just the reality your heart feels proud because he did a good job but if he is like horrible at basketball he barely can run and you know every two steps he is like grabbing air like ah, i can't and he doesn't even know how to take the ball and you go i'm proud of you you are the best there is no one like my son that's sin because it's it's a false idea of reality yeah i'm sure you have you have seen the the video on the internet there is this little guy who is with a ball and his mom is like that guy do you see that guy he's going to be a pro athlete and he throws the ball to his dad and his dad throws him back and boom in the face like no he's not right that second kind of pride that is sinful all right um but the first one when when you see things as they are then um that's not that is not sinful same example right uh with and both things are prideful by the way uh ask china how they will do it as a nation how will they will do it in math contest and they will do horrible we are the worst we can't make it we will lose and they win and then uh, ask america how will you do a math test we are the best we are gonna hundred it like we are the best in the world and we fail it right uh, both things are pride false humility on the on the one hand and um an over exaggerated view of who we are uh, those things are in that case national um social sins uh marked like with pride all right having said that I'm, I'm saying that because i don't want you to confuse um especially with the poor in the spirit or the mourner or the next beatitudes we can say well but uh, not every mourn or not every act of mourning is is good or you know it's because you are decrying your sins think about psalm 88 or psalm 53 or you know um well yes but we are talking in the context of the mount of of um um uh, it's not the mount of olives we're talking about in the context of jesus's preaching uh, of the beatitudes the sermon of the mount that's what i'm talking talking so in that context jesus has something very specific in mind and that's what we are going to study i'm not going to go well the bible speaks about poor in the spirit here 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 and therefore this is all that it means no we are going to see specifically jesus preaching that sermon and that's where we are going to focus on to concentrate upon zero and on so we can understand what jesus means and how we can relate these things uh, these seven deadly sins uh and uh, and recognize them for what they are repent from them if we are falling into it and believe me we are and then try to walk walk uh, according to the lord with the help of the holy spirit in in our lives does that make sense 
Okay, so we are not approaching this uh, in uh, a systematic uh, theology kind of way. We are approaching this as in the sense of what Jesus has to say in the Sermon of the Mount and how we have understood this sense and what they do to us and how we can, uh, in light of what Jesus says, how we can uh, repent and, and um, come to the Lord and ask for his help and we can, in that way, improve in our sanctification. All right. <sighs> okay. So, uh, what is pride then? Um, and, I, and if you see your left column, we have like a, a preliminary concept. Uh, pride is the natural love for myself, magnified and perverted, perver perverted, excuse me, into disdain for others. So that's a really good concept. It's a natural, so naturally speaking, we have a love for ourselves, right? That's why you, you know, put your best clothes today because it's Sunday and you want to look good for the Lord. Um, so you love yourself already, right? You put cream, something hurts, you take medicine. No one says, oh, it hurts, uh, but that's okay. I don't care. The body's just, I don't care about my body. No, we don't say that. We take care of it as much as we can. There is a natural love in ourselves. But pride becomes sinful when it's magnified and increased. There is no one like me. I'm so humble. Um, I'm the best of the best. And, uh, you know, I just, don't, I just don't want to say it out loud because that will be taken as prideful. But I am. Like, and, and you should recognize greatness when you see it. Right? Um, uh, that's, that's pride. Now, uh, what is it that we are going to see uh, uh, this morning? We don't know how weak we naturally are um, and how horrible our sins are before God and others until we consider them with more attention. In other words, if we don't know what these things are, it's easy for us to say, yeah, yeah, I guess I lie, uh, but I'm, I, I don't, I'm not a murderer. And I guess, yeah, I kind of have my moments. Uh, but not really like other people do. But if we uh, pay close attention to what these things actually are and how they manifest themselves in our lives, then we are going to go like, okay, yeah, I can see where that is happening and I can see how it has been happening. Um, and, uh, and we have some examples of that later on. Uh, so we do, not, uh, not only as an, we do so not only as an academic example, uh, a mental exercise, but also as a way to seek to conform our, our identity with who we are in Jesus Christ. Remember Colossians 3, right? Uh, put off what is of the flesh, right? The sinful nature, the uh, lies and everything, and then put on everything that is Jesus Christ. We have everything that Jesus Christ has acquired to us. Therefore, we need to walk towards that. Lord, please help me. Give me of your spirit. Grant me uh, sanctification. Help me to walk faithfully to you right? I don't want to continue in this path. Help me out, because I cannot do it by myself. And that's what Colossians 3 is, is saying. Uh, and if we understand sin better, if we understand uh, what is going on with us better, then we can pray more effectively and more, uh, and more precisely about what we are suffering from, right? If you are with a cough and you never go to the doctor, uh, you never know. You will never know if if it is pneumonia or a common cold or whatever, and you are just drinking Nyquil like crazy, and then like five years later, oh, your lungs are destroyed. 
Uh, well, I didn't know that. Of course you didn't. You didn't go to the doctor, right? You needed to be intervened five years ago, but you didn't come. Um, now you need to have a ventilator or, or I don't know, right? So uh, the point is we need to intervene faster. And we need to, and in order to do that, we need to understand uh, how this sin, specifically pride, attack us. Um, uh, and again, stagnation, staying there without advance. Uh, uh, think like um, a puddle, right? What happens when a puddle doesn't receive new water and stays there? It's green, and then you have flies, and then it stinks. And then, you, you know, you have those little mosquitoes that we had during a season here in, in April or something, or no, June or something, that if you were beaten by them, you will get sick and fever and so on. It gets, it gets really bad, right? There is no life there. It looks like uh, um, the valley that Frodo has to walk with Gollum. Everyone is dead around, right? And um, that's stagnation. Right, it only uh, and that can only happen in the Christian life if we embrace our sins and we decide not to do anything about it. So if we go, oh yeah, uh, this is who I am, right? Uh, this is God made me like this. I cannot change. Uh, there is there is nothing wrong with me because this is who I am. Well, no, that's not who you are. You are a Christian. You are in Jesus Christ, and therefore. The Christian life is marked by advance, by walking towards sanctification. Will you do it perfectly? I need to repeat this all the time. Uh, will you do it perfectly? No. You are going to fail. You are going to fall. You are gonna, it seems like you are advancing one step and then you fall back like 20. Um, but that's okay. The point is that you need to walk towards the Lord and towards sanctification. doesn't mean that you are going to make it uh, because if you already made it, there are two options. You are in heaven already, or you are lying to yourself. Um, but you need to continue walking. You need to continue uh, seeking to do God's will. That's the point of the Christian life. Anyhow, um, so that's, that's just the beginning. Do you have any questions so far? I want to look around, otherwise I will miss people. All right. Uh, so... Uh, a primer on pride. What I did here, I did it on purpose because I thought this is the most prideful thing I can do. Um, <laughs> yeah, all, although the seven deadly sins have been arranged in a different order by different people throughout the ages, here it goes. I believe pride should come first. It's like, believe me, my authority should come first. Now, uh, but uh, there are big people who do it, and they have good reasons for it. So I just decided to follow their order. Aquinas is one of them. Augustine is the first one. Um, and Babing um, treat pride first. John Calvin does it too, but then he gives his own explanation about why pride should not be first, but actually another one. But even then, he has to reckon with the idea that Augustine did it, uh, uh, Aquinas did it, and so he has to have a good reason for escaping that normal order. And it's a good one, um, but I just don't remember right now. Uh, anyhow, for Augustine, pride is the cardinal sin that caused the fall. Uh, Babing, in, Babing in similar words called, calls uh, pride self-centeredness. Um, it is the desire of Adam and Eve to be the ones who make the rules 
what moves them away from God and into themselves. In that sense, the first inclination uh, to sin against God is rooted in pride and self-centeredness. And this is what he what he is saying. In the garden, uh, the desire of, for Adam and Eve was to say, you know what? I know that what God has provided for us has been good. I mean, Adam and Eve don't have any reason to doubt God's goodness. Um, they, they didn't. All that they saw from God was good. Uh, he provided for them. He like they gave them a place uh, uh, for them. But when the serpent comes and is tempted by by uh, and they are tempted by by her or by it, I guess um, uh, Adam and Eve start thinking, "Yeah, God is not good. Yeah, we should be the ones who call the shots." So it stops being moving a movement towards God in which we are the creatures and he is God whom we are to worship and it becomes a movement towards ourselves. We need to be worshipped. We are the ones who, who deserve love and all the good things in life uh, by ourselves. So now the world and everything that exists uh, belongs to me and that's how it, how it should be. Um, because this is this is what I deserve, um, right? Think about um, uh, our younger generations, right? No, I deserve a phone. I deserve a car. The, not any car, the best one, right? A new one. And when Daddy doesn't give me the car that I want, I'm gonna make a tantrum, right? Um, that's self-centeredness. Um, guy dying in the restaurant being shot in New York City, shot in a restaurant. Everyone is looking around and a guy comes with the phone. Dude, look at this. This guy just died. Self-centeredness. A million views on internet. Self-centeredness. No one thought, let's call the police. Let's try to help him. Self-centeredness. 19, I think it was 1968. A uh, famous world photographer goes to Africa and captures this amazing photo of this African little kid trying to um, reach for water. But he's so skinny, so skinny. And then uh, everyone knew that like two weeks later he died. But he won the Pulitzer with that picture. It's like an amazing photo. If you can watch it, it's like amazing. But Immediately, he gets a lot of criticism because he's profiting from the death of this kid. And even though he's saying, but I couldn't do anything. But, you know, um, uh, I, even if I would help him, he will still die because he was so, so um, malnourished. Um, I think it was six months later, he hanged himself. He couldn't live with the guilt. What's the difference? Well, the difference is that we used to have a society of virtue where it's good to be concerned about the common good of the people. Now, it's good to be concerned about yourself because you are the most important thing in this world. We are a prideful society, right? Now, considering the following phrases, uh, one is the loneliest number. That comes from the book Three Dog Night. Uh, better to reign in hell than to serve in heaven. That is uh, a dialogue from Satan uh, in Milton's Paradise Lost. After he's been expelled, he says, in Milton's Paradise Lost, he says, 
it's better to, to, to reign in hell than to serve in, in, in heaven. Um, some move toward the void of hell because the kingdom of heaven is about others and not one's self. And that's uh, Jeff Cook's book. Uh, Pride made the soul desert God. That is Augustine. Pride is a fundamental distortion of reality. Reality about ourselves, about others, about God. God is not good. He doesn't want me to be happy. Um, uh, God doesn't care about me. Uh, why, why do you do that, God? Why am I suffering and everyone else is happy? Uh, I can think in like hundreds of those. Um, that's distortion of reality. Not matching your thoughts with God's word. And that is prideful, right? I don't deserve this. Um, why is this happening to me? Uh, as if we were entirely free of sin. Again, a prideful response. Uh, I like this one especially. We don't need a confession of faith. We believe the Bible. That's but the Bible is a huge book, you know. Uh, so what, what do you actually believe? No, we don't need a confession of faith. It is just the Bible and us. It is me, myself, and Christ. Uh, that's the most prideful thing that you can ever hear. Uh, because then we are the ones who are calling the shots. We are the ones who decide when to tell what we believe or not believe. And then uh, how 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 do you how do you know if what they the specific church um, believes is right or wrong if they don't have any confession of faith, right? How how do you know that? And then who gets to decide what to believe? Maybe the pastor. And uh, I'm sorry, but we are not we are not geniuses as the people who wrote the confessions or. And even then, they are not the geniuses as the ones who wrote the creeds. Um, so if we are going to write uh, our own confession, that's okay, but at least prove it that it's a good one. And let us test it with the scriptures. But if you keep it to yourself, then that's very prideful. No one else can have the truth as I, as I do. Yeah. All right. Um, recent song, It Is Me, Myself, and I. So I'll ride until I die, because I got me for life. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> um, I don't need anything. I just need myself. Again, super prideful. Um, <laughs> and uh, even even one more recent uh, that caused like stir in Latin America, uh, when Shakira was cheated by what's hers. Her husband's name, uh, the soccer player, that guy, the Spaniard one. Uh, she made a, a song where she says, "Women don't cry. We now charge cash for it, and we don't need a man." It's like, oh wow, okay, that's that's very prideful again. Um, I, I'm sure you can add even more, um, right? In marriage, I'm not grown. She is, or, or backwards, right? I cannot say that because I'm a, I'm a male, but you can say it. Um, but I'm not wrong. She is. Uh, I didn't do anything wrong. If she just were to listen to me, that will be great. Um, maybe. 
Maybe not. Maybe you're, you're just prideful, right? Um, so in pride, we adopt an inflated view of ourselves, an exaggerated view of what uh, we possess and seek to diminish and seek to diminish others. In pride, we move towards ourselves inwardly. All that we can think about is ourselves. Because of that, pride leads us into isolation. Think about it. If we are only concerned about ourselves, then we isolate everyone around us. Because no one gets me. Everyone is an idiot except me. It is not my fault. It is my spouse's fault for being such an agger. I am not the problem. I don't think I am like that. Um, or I don't think I suffer from those sins, right? Or even worse, um, our reaction is also a sign of pride. I am the stupidest, stupidest person in the world. Or what a, a figure like Pavarotti, the great opera singer, right? Saying, oh, I'm a, 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 it should be here. I am really, I'm really am a, an, awful, an awful singer. What about Pavarotti? Like, you know the guy. You have heard the guy probably more than once. And what about him saying, or when he was alive, saying, um, oh, I'm the worst, more terrible singer in the world. Oh, but like, don't be stupid. Don't say that. We know that you are good. But, but that's false humility, right? Not, not willing to accept reality for what it is. And instead of saying, God has gifted me with these gifts. And praise the Lord for those gifts. Um, that's been, what a blessing it is that I can sing like this right? That's not prideful. But to say, oh, that was the worst. Oh, I'm doing such an awful job. We, we suffer of that in, in our circles, right? Um, oh, well, I did an awful job. Say, so, congratulations, brother. Like, like the, the, um, the church is looking amazing. Those guys did great. I guess so. I mean, we barely pay them. And yeah, I guess so. It's like, but you found the right guys. I'm just making an example up. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, they showed up, which is great. Now, false humility, that's, you know, that's a sin. Um, learn to say, thank you, Lord, or praise the Lord for that. Yeah, uh, I was kind of nervous, but praise the Lord for that. It's, it's a good thing. Um, uh, it happens to, to pastors a lot. Great sermon, right? Melly's like, yes, <laughs> great sermon. So, oh, no, it was awful. Um, no, but I, I like, I've been blessed by it. Oh, good, because I, I have not. All right. No, praise the Lord. Thank you. That's, that's amazing. Um, boasting, seeking praise for yourself, promoting an image that eclipses the honor of the, uh, due to the Savior, uh, self-sufficiency, um, all of those are pride masquerading as, no, and the final category is pride masquerading as humility. Uh, proud people take themselves too seriously. They are easily humiliated, offended, or hurt, but not easily humbled. Some examples of pride in the scriptures include Luke 18. Do you, does anyone know what that is? That is a very easy one. It's remember, there is a guy who is praying, and he's in the front, and there's another guy who is praying too, and he's in the back. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there is a grain of truth in his confession, right? He is not like the publican in the sense that he's a Pharisee. He's trying to do his best. And yet, at the same time, uh, he doesn't recognize that he is what he is because God's grace. And so in that sense, he exalts himself, right? 
uh, more than everyone else in the room. And he goes, I'm great, right? I'm great. Uh, uh, there was a pastor that someone told him, Pastor, you are the most humble man that I have, that I have met in my life. And he goes, oh yeah, I knew that. <laughs> I was like, wow, all right. That's very prideful. Um, there is another one, uh, more subtle. Um, so uh, what, what commentaries um, do you use for preparing for, for your sermons? Oh, I don't use any. Like what? No, no, I don't use any. It's just me and the Lord and uh, the Bible. That's how I get my stuff. You are a liar. Don't say that. That is not true. We all know it. We don't, we don't, we don't create ideas out of the blue. We need people who come before us. We stand in the shoulders of giants. Uh, don't say, oh, yeah, I'm getting my stuff from myself. No, you're getting it from other people. Be honest, right? Um, that, that is not true. Um, and uh, and, uh, and um, same thing when, when, uh, when uh, you have like, um, where do you get your theology from? What books do you read? It's like, oh, it's just me and my Bible. No, you are reading systematics. Just tell us where. It's, that's, that's not okay. That has been super prideful. Uh, or it has happened a lot in Protestant academic circles. We don't need Roman Catholics. We don't need Roman Catholics. Why, why should we go there? Like, that's so prideful. Who is going to benefit? Who is not going to benefit from Thomas Aquinas? Like, for real. That, that is not true. Um, uh, Thomas Aquinas is just a giant. Who is not going to benefit from Augustine? He's a giant. And no, but that's rummish. That's, that's evil. No, it's not. They have good points. We can disagree, but just if you can really read Thomas Aquinas, he's so great. Um, and it's so profitable to read from him. Uh, your, his doctrine of God, I haven't seen anything like it uh, in, in today's systematics. Anything like it. Like if you read Aquinas, you will get a really good doctrine of God. And then, and then it will help you out a lot. Um, but people who go, no, I will never read a Roman Catholic. I will never read a Pentecostal. I will never read, you know, because I disagree with them. So they don't have anything good to offer that you have not seen. That's very prideful, right? Or they have like a minuscule or a bigger error. It's like, well, I disagree with him, so I'm not going to read it. Well, that's not fair. That's prideful. Um, don't do that, right? Even, even the people whom we disagree with, we need to present their case really, really well. And we need to read them. Uh, Dr. Venema's books are really difficult to read because of that. Because he goes to explain you what the other guy believes. And all the time you're thinking, oh, Venom agrees with this guy. What is going on with him? And then he ends the chapter and the next one is a critique of whatever he's like presenting. So like, oh, okay, now we are going to get his critique. 
Why? Because he's concerned about presenting the other side first in the most fair possible way. That's, that's being humble. Vavink is the same. If you read his four chunky books, uh, you will be like, if you are not paying attention, you'll be like, what? What is this guy, guy saying? Because he doesn't tell you. He just goes on. And, and then if you pay attention, you're like, oh, okay, he's explaining this thing. If you see my books, I have markers in there. Like, bad. Like, he's explaining the bad side. Remember. So I go back, like, what was he explaining? The bad side. Oh, okay, bad. Okay, and then he goes, the reformers, on the other hand, oh, finally. Okay, cool. Um, right? We, we owe that to the other person. Um, uh, he, he told me that I'm the worst person ever. Is really that what he told you, or is you just with your pride hurt and reacting to that? Uh, someone just told me recently that her son went to um, this girl's house to ask permission to his dad, her dad, excuse me, to date, but date seriously, like we are going to get married. And uh, the dad goes, no, I love you, I like you, known you since you are like a little squirrel, but no, because she's not ready. Uh, believe me, you're going to suffer if you do that right now. He goes back home, like he goes back home, mom, like I'm not good enough. He told me I'm not good enough for his daughter, for, for his daughter. And she goes, no, he didn't tell you that. I know what he told you. Right? What is that? Your pride hurt and you distort reality. Um, so as you can see, we are filled with pride. Uh, it feels nasty, doesn't it? But that's who we are. And the more we are aware of it, um, the more we can fight against it. Think about Luke 16, the rich man and Lazarus. And there are certain things in the parable that are super interesting to, to ponder upon. First of all, the poor guy with the boils in the skin who is disgraced and everything, he's named. He is important for God. He has a name. The rich man is just the rich man. All that he is is seen from the perspective that he just has stuff. That's it. But for God, Lazarus has a name. Um, and the context of that parable is and to the Pharisees who entrusted themselves in their richness, he said the following parable. So we have a context, right? Oh, these guys are like the rich man. They believe they have something, but they do not. And now we will see what happens next is that uh, Lazarus is in heaven, right? In paradise with Abraham and all the saints in the presence of God. And uh, the rich man is in hell, suffering. And does he have anyone around him? He's alone. Very prideful. Therefore, his punishment is to be by himself. And uh, then he goes, and the most interesting thing is, he still believes that he can do stuff, that he can command people, as if when he were alive, when he were alive. And he goes, Abraham! Sent Lazarus so he can dip his uh, finger in the water and put it in my tongue. And Abraham is like, you don't understand what you are saying, do you? You, don't, you have not understood even now uh, that 
you are paying for your rejection of, of God. And uh, you have no command here. It's not, in, it's not your place. It's not in your power anymore. Um, now God is the one who is ruling. And so he goes, oh, okay, uh, well, send Lazarus again <laughs> to talk to my family. Like, no, we're not going to do that. They have Moses and the prophets. If they don't believe them, then they are not going to believe Lazarus either, even if he raises up from the dead, um, which is a perfect, perfect example of what happens with the Pharisees, right? Jesus heals people. Jesus uh, walks around doing things that no one else has done. The blind see, the lame walk, right? And, and the kingdom of heaven is preached to everyone. And the Pharisees go, he's the son of the devil. <laughs> like, what? And even John, what is it? John 8, the blind guy, he goes, never has been heard that someone has opened the eyes of a man born blind. Now, I don't know who this guy you say it is. It is. What I say is, he has to be someone. Because never has this been done. And they go, are you going to teach us? See, very prideful. We know that this guy, this guy doesn't come from God. And who opened your eyes? We believe it's God. But that guy? No. Again, pride, rejection of Christ, and, and blindness. Right? Uh, very prideful. Uh, since pride moves us into isolation, pride also leads us to destruction. Loneliness is the best recipe to end one's life. While self-giving imitates who God is, since God is self-giving, he's generous by nature. Think about horror movies. Uh, um, those filmed in Iowa, more specifically. Uh, you know, corn all over the place. And a house in the middle of corn. And uh, acres of acres of corn. And then the husband goes, well, honey, I'll be back. And we go, no, don't stay with her. It's like, no, I, I need to, I need to, you know, cut the grass or whatever. So he goes far away and she's by herself. We know she's going to get killed because she's alone. Or stupid teenagers in the forest. Yeah, let's go run away. I'm going to the pond. I'm going to the forest. I'm going to over here. No, you're going to die. Like Freddy is going to kill you. Or, I don't know. Right? Loneliness kills. Stay by yourself. That's why monasticism didn't work. Stay by yourself in a, a room and see if you cannot sin. You will come like five minutes later disappointed on yourself and asking forgiveness to, to God. Because isolation is really bad for us. That's why, uh, you know, um, uh, God has given us a community, the church. But, oh, but the church is full of hypocrites. Yeah, that's why we are inviting you too, right? <laughs> um, but it's just filled with imperfect people. Yeah, but that's what God makes God's grace so amazing. He welcomes us. He transforms us. He gives us life. And we belong to him. And now we have uh, each other with failures, yes. With difficulties, yes. We speak too much sometimes, yes. That's one of my, my problems. I'm imprudent, right? Uh, 
and yet he uses people. He he works in their lives with through and with people. Um, he knows he recognized in Genesis it is not good that man is alone. That doesn't go only for Adam and Eve, but he gives us families and societies and everything. Oh, it will be so cool to have like a place in which I'm my, by myself in in a little house. Yeah, cool. But you are made to live in with with people too. We are not made to live in isolation of everyone else. Um, now, do you have any questions? I'm going to look around one more time. All right. Uh, Blessed are the poor, the poor in the spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So the contrary of pride is humility. Uh, being poor in the spirit is not something that we need to reach out for. So that goes against uh, liberation theology, right? If you are poor, materially speaking, then you are blessed. That is not what Jesus is saying. Blessed are the poor in the spirit, Jesus says. Uh, uh, is not something that we need to reach out. It's a recognition that we need to make. We are poor in the spirit. Uh, neither is to be measured in the economical scale. That's that's what I said. Uh, poor people does not does not equal uh, to poor in the spirit. Uh, it is rather a true characterization of who we are, whether we see it as, as such or not. Being poor in the spirit, therefore, is related to humility. Um, what is the biggest thing that uh, puts itself before you and God? Your pride. Well, I'm not that bad, right? If, if God sees my good stuff and then my bad stuff, I'll go in easily. I asked a guy once, I was working for him, and I said, so if you die today, where do you go? Easy, he says, heaven. Like, really? Like, what makes you so sure? So I was shocked. I never heard that before. And he goes, well, God will put my good stuff, my good behavior. Uh, I've been a good son. I haven't killed anyone. Um, and then he will put my bad stuff, and I'll, I'll make it. I've been good. I, I, I didn't say anything else. I said, all right. I guess we will find out. Um, what is it that uh, stands in the way to reconciliation with God? Isn't it our pride that we are super prideful and we go, no, I didn't do that. Nope, I'm not going to repent. Nope, because, because I am a victim. So I should be uh, vindicated, not, not victimized, saying that I should repent. Repent of what? How am I going to repent? I was sent against. Go tell that to Jesus. He was sent against. Um, also, <clears throat> not because I'm brown means that I'm poor in the spirit. Not because people are black means that they are poor in the spirit. That's, that's something that is happening today. It's a distortion of what the scripture says. We all are sinners. We all are prideful. Um, it, it is just a misreading of the scriptures. That's not what Jesus says. So humility in that sense is a realistic assessment of ourselves and includes our weakness and the strengths. Uh, it is not related with our financial status. And however, due to the distortion that sin has caused in our mind and soul, 
um, the nutetic effects of sin, we don't have a realistic assessment of ourselves. Naturally speaking, uh, we, we can't understand that, much less we, we give glory to God for what we have received, but we have received everything from him. That is Colossians 4. What do you have that you have not received? Right? That's what Paul is saying. In other words, unless the Holy Spirit comes to our hearts and transforms our hearts from hearts of stone to hearts of flesh, uh, if you have been hearing Ask Pastor Christian, that's the language of the Canons of Dort. Uh, he makes the unwilling willing. He makes the heart of stone a heart of flesh. He, he transforms our inclinations. That's the Holy Spirit transforming our hearts. And then when we have that action of the Holy Spirit, then we go, yeah, I'm a sinner. Yeah, I'm, I'm very, very bad. I'm very horrible. Please, Lord, forgive me. Please, Lord, uh, have mercy on me. And even then, Paul makes, makes a distinction between uh, regret and uh, repentance, right? Regret is Judas, uh, Judas's behavior and what happened to him. Uh, he goes, oh, yeah, I've been really bad. Boom, I'm going to kill myself. Peter goes, oh, yeah, I've been really bad. And then he's restored because he repents. There is a difference. Uh, and I didn't mention that because it's not part of uh, Matthew's argu arguments in his book, but you have it in Luke and you have it in, in John, where Peter, especially in John, John 21, Peter is really ashamed, right? Jesus goes, Peter, do you love me? And he goes, yes, Lord, I do. First time. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I do. Second time. And then he goes, Peter, do you love me? And he goes, Lord, you know, you know everything. You know that I love you. Three times, just as he denied him three times. Uh, what is Jesus doing? Bringing him to himself. Bringing him to repentance. So he can walk with the Lord and be restored. And then he goes, follow me. And he walks with Jesus. And, and since then, we have a transformed Peter, do we not? He goes to jail, he's flogged, he's, he's confronted with the authorities in the book of Acts, and he goes, it is better to obey God than to obey you guys. So I'm sorry, I'm going to keep preaching the gospel. Flogged, like almost killed, and yet he continues walking with the Lord. What's the difference? Repentance, a true understanding of who, what, of who uh, he is. Uh, so when Jesus speaks about the poor in the spirit, he's talking, uh, he's, um, he's, uh, seems like an L slipped my, my keyboard there. He's talking about something that is impossible for us to recognize in ourselves. It is an invitation to lower ourselves before him, to recognize that we are proud and we need him. God, the most exalted being that exists, is himself humble. And in Jesus, he has reached out to us in, in our proudness, while we were running away from him in order to bring salvation to us. God is moved towards himself and towards others. He is self-giving, and so Christians are to be self-giving as well. Uh, so uh, why is Christian saying that? Because in the life of the Trinity, you have two movements in the life of the Trinity. A movement of God towards himself. So God glorifies, loves himself in his intratrinitarian life. Uh, that is, the Father loves the Son, the Son loves the Father, and the Spirit loves the Father and the Son, and so on. You get the idea. But, but it doesn't stay there. That love and that, and that relationship moves outwardly 
towards creation. And that's why God creates everything that exists. Uh, and he's pleased by it because his, his creation is good. When he judges creation, he says it is very good. Not because he's proud, but because he's recognizing that everything he made has no error. And so it's a true description of what he has made. And then he makes Adam and Eve. And, he, and then he says, it is very good. Because now I have these guys who look like me in certain respects. And they are looking to each other. Same thing. Just as God is one and three, he makes humanity to resemble in a community everything that he is. So it's not just Adam and Eve, but it's also their offspring and humanity as a whole. Uh, but when God thinks about himself, there is nothing that he thinks that is untrue or false. And that's why God is the most humble being that exists. Because what he thinks about himself is entirely true. So there is no pride in, in, in God. Does that make sense? All right. Now, we will, do you want to talk later about it? Cool. Um, anyhow, there are three responses to, to uh, pride that we normally do. Uh, we normally um, respond to that in this way. So the first one is we try to rationalize our pride. Um, and uh, in a way that makes uh, failure appear appear inevitable, I was set up to failure. Uh, you know how are gonna how I am going to win if all of those guys have been uh, having better equipment, right? And they run better than me. So it was a setup. Uh, I I I was never intended to win. Well, that's pride. Uh, we avoid at all costs the phrase "I sent." Instead, we say, I messed up, it was an accident, I made a mistake, etc. So sin is a bad word today. We don't say it. And if we say it, we say it in the wrong way. Um, projection. Uh, looking at others, engaging in similar sins, and remind ourselves that lots of other people are doing the same thing. Right? I mean, we're just the status quo. It's just how it is. Um, and... Um, no one should expect anything uh, higher from me because that's who we all are. That's, that's how we deny pride. Repression. We stuff guilty feelings and therefore bring psychological and spiritual damage to ourselves by refusing to seek forgiveness. Self-destruction. This, I think, is one of the most dangerous ones because we go, I don't deserve anything. I'm the worst. I'm smaller than an amoeba. And God will do well in crushing me with his foot. Um, right? Um, some teenagers suffer from it. Uh, right? Oh, that girl told me that I'm ugly. Yes, and she's right. I'm the ugliest in the school. Like, look at my, my teeth. They are so ugly. Uh, look at my face. I am so ugly. Look at my body. I'm so ugly. Um, Self-destruction. That is pride as well. Um, and, and it... It feel this one especially the last one uh, feels good because we think we are being humble. Um, well, as far as I remember, God has not told you that you, as His creation, are the worst of the worst of the worst, even in sin. Yes, Debbie. Relationships 
that are abusive, that are constantly being told, you're ugly, you're ugly, you're a bad dog, you're a bad dog, you think you're a bad dog. Is that still the pridefulness? No, so when a person says that to the other person, where do you think the pride is going to? Because not in the person who has been attacked, no. But the person who is saying that to the other person, yeah, that's very prideful and very damaging because we are seeking to destroy another person. Yeah. 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 Yeah, no, that's that's a different sin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and for that, when they start to believe that that's the case, and that that is kind of like programming uh, what you want the other person to do, uh, if I can speak in those mechanical terms, and then that person really starts to believe that that's the case. And in order to remove that from the picture, um, it requires a lot of work. Uh, but especially, uh, you know, we need to remind them uh, you are God's creation. He made you um, uh, after his image, so you have value. You are not ugly and everything um, uh, and, and things like that. But it takes time. It's not that, you know, tomorrow he or she is going to be okay. Yep. Yep. Good question, though. So occasionally we run into inmates that believe that their sin is so egregious and so terrible that God can't possibly forgive them. Yeah. You know, so that's them uh, repressing. Yeah. Uh, seeking to... Yeah. That's that's a response of of pride. Yeah. Of not wanting to come to Jesus Christ. Of it's unbelief in the last in in you know in the final analysis because Jesus can forgive any kind of sin. Yeah. Excuse me? No, yeah, that's why you need to work with them too. Mm -hmm. Dan? Like um, social pride and things like that? Well, just as humans interact, when they all come to a common cause, including us as a church, we, yeah, common cause of pride. Yeah. So yeah. So there are certain things that we tend to naturally be prideful because we are sinners, and that doesn't make it good. I'm just trying to explain it. But for example, oh, we have the best theology, so everyone else is inferior to us, uh, right? That's that's a response of pride, and it's something that festers in our denominations because we have good theology. That is true. Uh, but you don't have the right to say you're stupid to the other person just because they don't agree with our theology, um, right? Another one of those is on the other side of the camp is we have the spirit. You guys are dead, right? Uh, just because you feel something, you have the spirit, but we do not. So we don't measure that according to God's word, but according to how we feel about it. Go to the movies, listen to the music, and then you will feel something and doesn't mean that the spirit is there. Because music is designed to impact 
your heart and how you react to things. And so, um, so does a good movie have the spirit then? In a sense, it does because it's common grace, but not in the salvific, uh, redemptive way that the church has. Uh, but does that mean that, you know, uh, let me think about a movie that has a really good music. Um, oh, Inception. Oh, man, that's a good movie. Um, so does that movie has the movement of the spirit in there because of that? Think about the arts. Uh, the um, composer of the ballet in Chicago, he had publicly, publicly said that they are there and they exist in order to bring healing and salvation to humanity because the arts are the answer. Um, again, that's a very prideful group all comment. And in a sense, it stems from certain truths. Uh, it's, it's really cool to see a good performance played off in the, in, the, uh, in the theater. And you feel like, oh man, that was amazing. You feel elevated. You give glory to God for it. But to say that that's going to save your soul and humanity, uh, that's a tad too much. Right? So, so we, this, uh, we, um, we do that. Um, uh, oh, we are a conservative town. Libertarian, we get it. Denver guys, they don't. They are stupid. Right? Um, kind of prideful responses to, to things that we do. Mm -hmm. What will be a humble response? Uh, God's been so gracious to, to us because at least in our town, we are not seeing the craziness that we are seeing in other places. Please, Lord, help us to bring the gospel to, to this city so we are not just moral people, but people who seek to love you and to want to serve you, right? Uh, but thank you for preserving us and to keeping us uh, this far. That, that will be a humble response, I think. I may be wrong. Make sense? Does that answer your question? Well, I, you know, I was thinking more about how the individual dealing with pride gets allured into a group pride and then the galling of that in the group creates how a lot of us just go along for the ride not even Yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's a that's a great question. Uh, because there are certain things that we naturally do because we are drawn to people. Because that's who we were created to be. Uh but we all are individual sinners, and when we get together, we tend to have certain sins uh, highlighted. Uh, so, you know, go worship in a Mexican church. See how that goes here, uh, or in Chicagoland, where that is, there is racism more prevalent among the Mexicans. Um, what is that, right? That's, that's sin, and that's a communal sin. Speak against it in their circles, and it will not go that well, right? But you will not be able to see it unless you are standing outside of it, if that makes sense. 
so, and I'm talking about that because that was my experience. When I came here, I thought I will be, I will have more in common with the Mexicans than I will have with with the American church, with the Dutch American church. And we went once one day to the Mexican church, uh, URCNA mission, uh, and and they needed a Mexican pastor. And I was like, not that we had tons of pastors who spoke Spanish over there. No, they don't want one of them. They want a Mexican pastor. Why is that? So, you know, I put my finger on the wound. Didn't go well. Um, uh, but that's that's one of the sins that we sin against uh, as, as a group. It's cultural in, in many respects. Yeah. Make sense? Yeah. 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 And and many of those things sometimes we don't see. Uh, again, if you can get Doctor Strange's uh, Spirituality of the Church and the Ecclesiology of Charles Hodge by uh, Protestant and Reformed publications, and you will see how Thornwell is arguing for slavery, saying, "No, that's great. It's the best thing that you can get." And Hodge is like, "No," but you know, for years we didn't see that uh, in the Presbyterian churches. It was like, "Eh, this is normal. Eh, we don't care." Uh, and then go to go to uh, other places because uh, it's easier to feel guilty about ourselves. But what about Nigeria and what those guys were doing to their own people, right? With no regrets, um, just because they belong to a different tribe. Or the, look back to if you want to look back to Mexico and and the uh, Aztecas and the other guys, the Mayas. And uh, Francisco Pizarro comes. No, it's not Pizarro, is it? Cortez. Yeah, uh, Pizarro is in Ecuador, sorry. Uh, Cortez, and, uh, and he goes like, oh, this is great. But then he sees like the sacrifices and everything. And they, they the Mayas and those guys were like, eh, this is normal. Like, we offer it to you. Um, normal. And the, the Spaniards are scandalized because of that. And then, uh, and then they stop that, rightly so, but then, then I annihilate everyone else, sinfully so, right? Uh, Bartolome de las Casas, he goes, no, we are enslaving the Indians. That's not okay. They are made after the image of God. We need to protect them. Great idea. So we, don't, we are not going to do that. Let's, let's bring blacks. So <laughs> those guys deserve it. Terrible idea, right? Anyhow, um, good question, though. Thank you. Uh, anyone else? Yeah. Uh-oh. Go ahead. Phyllis. I just have one more example of pride, I think. When we first did take the Native Americans as we were next to all over the place, I said, we'll take care of you. We know the right way to do that. And then we would be offended. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Jessica? No. Yeah. 